All right. Well, that was awesome. That is uh, Tim Shady, as we're calling him around here at Crossroads now, Tim Shady and the Funky Bunch over here. And uh, Tim said that's a Crossroads original, and it is because Pastor Tim is actually the one who wrote that song. And so, yeah, can we just thank him for his... Uh, amazing, amazing skills. More of that to come the next couple of weeks. We'll have an original song starting off uh, each week of this Holy Spirit series. And so I want to welcome those of you at Fort Lupton, online at Crossroads Live, as well as here at Thornton Campus. My name is Matt Manning. I'm the senior pastor here at Crossroads Church. And like Tim said, I'm pretty excited uh, because we are starting a brand new series today called Ghost, where we're looking at all things Holy Spirit. And so when it comes to this series of the Holy Spirit, I know that there's a lot of interest in this. And the reason that I know that is because last year, about this time, we were doing a series in Luke where we're walking through the series of Luke. And almost every week, someone would email me with questions about the Spirit, that as we watch Jesus kind of live his life, we saw him like, like working hand in hand with the Spirit and the amazing things and the amazing life that he lived with that. And it kind of like brought up a whole bunch in people's lives just when it came to the way that we uh, interact and act with the Spirit in our lives. And so there was a lot of emails. And so last year about this time, I got up in front of everyone and I said, hey, look, I know you're sending a ton of emails my way asking about questions about the Spirit. And I just want you to know in early summer 2020, we're doing a sermon series on this Holy Spirit. You can write it down. And then March 13th, Friday the 13th, actually, COVID happened, chaos happened, right? We had to rewrite all kinds of things. And all of that, in the midst of all of this, you have not forgotten about the Holy Spirit because every week I still get an email reminding me, hey, pastor, you promised a series on the Holy Spirit. And so here it is, all right? This is the week. And so now let me tell you, kind of up front, uh, as a kid, I didn't understand a lot about the Holy Spirit. In fact, um, I actually grew up in this church, if you didn't know that. I grew up in this church here at Crossroads Church. And when it came to being raised in this church, Pastor Roland, our actual first pastor here at Crossroads, when he would talk about God and the Trinity, he would talk about God and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, all right? And the Holy Ghost piece kind of freaked fourth grade version of me out a little bit, all right? I understood the Father. Like I had one, I got that. I understood that the father had a son. That, that made sense to me. But when it came to the Holy Ghost, that just kind of wigged me out. It was like, doo, 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 right? Like, like that's the way that I felt. And so, uh, but the good news was, let me say it this way. The good news was is, is that we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot when I was growing up in this church. And so it didn't really matter that much. It was, it was just kind of like this, this thing in the background. It wasn't really a big deal. So when I got to high school, we actually moved from Colorado to Indiana, and my family, when we moved to Indiana, visited this church that apparently talked about the Holy Ghost a whole lot, but the thing was is that they were weirder than weird, all right? So we went to the church, and it was like three hours long, and there was people that were like waving flags in the service, and there was this 60-year-old woman during the sermon that just like rolled down the aisle laughing, and then every once in a while, there was like up on the stage these curtains, and these curtains would just like full back, and these people would just start like talking in this weird language, and then it would close like it was some like Christian version of the country Jamboree Bears down in Disney World, right? Like, like it was just like this crazy three-hour experience in my life. We didn't go back, all right? Our family, that was like too much Holy Ghost for us. We didn't go back. And so growing up, I didn't really know what to do with the Holy Ghost, and so I just kind of stayed away from it and didn't have a lot to do with it. And then I met Pastor Brad, 
And when I met Pastor Brad, he, he talked about the Holy Ghost, and, and he would say things about the Holy Ghost like, like the Spirit led me, or, or that the Spirit told me. And yet the way that he would speak about it wasn't like all cray-cray, right? It, was, it wasn't crazy. It felt real. And then, and then God brought a guy into my life named Dave Powers, and I'm just convinced that Dave Powers actually has coffee with the Spirit every morning. Like, that's just part of his routine. And then Pastor Tim. And through the years, these guys, sometimes intentionally, most of the time unintentionally, have challenged my understanding when it comes to the Holy Ghost, which has had led to growth and longing when it comes to the Spirit's presence in my life. And so I know, as we begin this series together, that for some of you, you might have grown up like me. And for far too long, you have, you have kind of uh, distanced yourself, or you've lived as if the Spirit doesn't really exist. And you long to see something in your life that's, that's supernatural. That when you open the Scriptures, you want to believe that the Spirit is more than just kind of hanging out in the corner over there in your life. And for others of you, I know that, that maybe for you, you've came out of the more extreme, like charismatic parts of our faith, and that you got tired week after week hearing teachings and, and being spoken to, that if you didn't have particular spiritual gifts, these miraculous gifts, that the Spirit wasn't actually in you. And for some of you, maybe you've, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you just isn't, haven't understood the things of the Spirit. In fact, it was just a few years ago that I was in a, a community group setting, and, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit and prayer. And as we were talking about it, one of the girls kind of spoke up, and she said, you know, Matt? She's like, I've read what we were supposed to read like 10 times on the Holy Spirit, and I just don't get it. Like, I feel like an idiot. Now, this whole group was like 10, 12 people. We were all believers, and I just kind of paused, and I asked the question, how many of you feel that way? Like, you just feel like an idiot when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and two-thirds of the people raised their hands. Then maybe you're here today, and you just don't know, you just don't understand the things of the Spirit. Or maybe you're brand new today, you're watching online for the first time, or you wandered into this building for the first time, and you're like, ghost, what in the world did I get myself into? Like, right? Like, so, and if you are new, let me just say something really quick today, that my purpose in today is not to, like, wig you out and to scare you, but rather, hopefully, my earnest prayer is that, that you wouldn't walk away wigged out, but that you would walk away inspired to pursue this more, to come back again. So the reality is, is that every single one of us comes from a different place when it comes to the Spirit. We have different understandings. And yet when we open up the Scriptures, what we find is the Holy Ghost, better known today as the Holy Spirit, is not an it, but a he. And that he is part of the Godhead. That he is part of what we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that the Spirit is absolutely and completely necessary to our lives, even, I would argue, essential to the life that God has for us to live in freedom. And so over the next couple of weeks, next three weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into what it looks like to experience the Spirit. And so today what we're going to talk about is simply who the Spirit is. We're just going to look at who the Spirit is. And the next week, we're going to kind of explore this understanding that sometimes when we open the Bible, it seems like our life is so much different than it is those that we read about in the Scripture who are walking with the Spirit. And so next week, we're going to talk about what that difference is all about. And then the third week, Pastor Chris is going to close this all up with really talking about the power that is ours in the Spirit. And so if you are at all interested in the supernatural, 
if you're all interested in the Spirit's work in your life, if you're at all kind of just looking for some understanding when it comes to the Holy Spirit, these next three weeks are for you. So I want to just jump right into this. And so if you have your Bibles, John chapter 14 is where we're going to start off today. We're going to be in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. Now in John chapter 16, or John chapter 14, we have the words of Jesus as he's preparing to leave his disciples and make his final march to the cross where he's going to die. John chapter 14 is one of the most intimate chapters in all of Scripture. And we jump into the scene in what we call really the Last Supper. It's why we celebrate communion. And it's this very intimate scene where Jesus and his best buds are participating in what we call the Last Supper. it It was Passover feast. It was much like our Thanksgiving for the Jewish culture. And they're there at this meal, they're celebrating, they're, they're having a good time, and then Jesus drops this bomb on them that, that one of them there is going to betray him. And soon after he says that, one of the best buds, Judas, gets up, and he leaves dinner to go betray Jesus to the religious leaders for, for a couple of coins of silver. And all the guys, the other 11 guys that are left there, are all sitting there wondering what in the world just happened. They're reeling. And in their minds, they had to be thinking, like, Jesus, as Judas goes and does this, like, we're going to fight, right? Like, like you're the Messiah. You're the one that's been promised of God. Like, you're the rightful king. Like, like we're going to go in and we're going we're to do this, right? That our march to Jerusalem is so that you can become king. And Jesus looks at the disciples in that moment and he says, no, 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 no. My march to Jerusalem is to the cross that I must die. And in this moment in John chapter 14 that these boys are totally confused. They're scared. They don't understand. And Jesus looks at them at the beginning of John chapter 14 and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled about these things. Do not fear these things. And when we pick the story up in verse 16, he says, don't fear these things. For I will ask the Father, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. To which the disciples had begun, another helper? Who is this helper? And Jesus answers it for us in verse 17. He says, this helper is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. And in these intimate verses, in this intimate passage, Jesus reveals that there is another who is coming, and he calls him the helper. Now, when it comes to this word helper in the Greek, it's translated from a word called parakletos. That's the Greek word, parakletos. Now, unfortunately for us in English, we don't have like a direct correspondence, a direct one-to-one when it comes to understanding parakletos. And so maybe in your Bibles, as you're reading through, you'll see the Bible, your Bible translated as like comforter or counselor, encourager, intercessor, companion. But regardless of what word your Bible chooses to use, the literal understanding of parakletos is the one who comes to help, the one who is sent to help. And in early Greek culture, it all revolved around like legal language. It was, it was language that was used in the courts. And that a parakletos was anyone from like a legal aide who was helping you, who was sent to help you, to a witness who came to testify on your behalf. That was a parakletos. And as culture kind of grew, the word really began to expand, and it becomes this understanding in the Greek culture to include anyone who was sent to help you do anything that you could not do on your own. In a very real sense for the disciples, Jesus was their parakletos. And so Jesus, looking at his best buds, 
who are completely and emotionally wrecked over the news that Jesus isn't going to fight his way out of this, but rather he's going to give himself up to die on the cross, a criminal's death. He looks to them tenderly, and he says, just as I have been your parakletos these last three and a half years, just as I have guided you and, and taught you, helping you to believe, helping you to do, helping you to see all that God has for you. So too is the Father, now as I leave, going to send someone just like me. Now the disciples had to be like, come on, Jesus. Like, for real? For real? I mean, for three and a half years, these guys had been guided and taught and comforted by Jesus. Who in the world could fill that space for them? Really, who could fill that void in their life? Who could be that parakletos for them? And Jesus, as they're questioning him, doesn't pull back in the conversation. He actually pushes all of his chips to the middle in chapter 16 at the conclusion of this conversation. And he says this in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you, boys, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the disciples had to be like, what? Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. You can keep talking but you're not making any sense here. It is good for you to be here. It is not good for you to leave. What do you mean to our advantage? And Jesus looks and he goes, look, you, you got to understand that it's to your advantage that I leave so that the Spirit can come. And even today, some 2,000 years later, this is a truth that we struggle with, isn't it? Because every single one of us, every single one of us would go, best thing ever, Jesus here. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer. Like if you're a non-believer, nothing would be better than to sit down with the guy that we say we worship, right? And to be able to ask him questions about this faith and, and what this meant and everything else. Like, like that would be good. And if we were a believer, man, how awesome. If you're a believer, how awesome would it be to just to be able to walk with Jesus, Every day of your life, like, like in the flesh, anytime you have a question, there's Jesus. Like anytime you're wondering about something, there's Jesus. Like we look at this and we go, Jesus, how is that to our advantage that you're not here? Like that doesn't make any sense. How does that work? And we find the answer to that by looking at the Hebrew word that Pastor Tim sung in his song, the word ruach, spirit in the Old Testament. Now, when it comes to ruach, ruach, the way that you say ruach is you, you kind of press the word, the, the air, out of your mouth and you spit at the end. So if you were Hebrew, it would really be like ruach, ruach. That's how you say it, all right? And so what I want you to do is I want you to take your hand and put it in. I didn't think this through. You're all wearing masks. Okay. At home, at, <laughs> at home, this is what I want you to do, all right? I want you to put your hand in front of your mouth at home, and I want you to say ruach. And as you do, you'll feel the air come through your fingers. That's the meaning of the word ruach. The first time that we see the ruach is in the second verse of the Bible, where the ruach of God is hovering over the deep, bringing about creation. The next time we see ruach is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 17, where the ruach is translated to us, a breath of life. In Genesis chapter 8, the ruach is described as the wind that God sent over the earth to recede the waters from the flood. 
that Moses said that God gives breath, ruach, to every living creature, that Job says that the breath of God, the ruach of God, is in my nostrils, that over 400 times in the Old Testament, ruach is used, most significantly in the prophet of Isaiah, where Isaiah uses the word ruach Yahweh, or, or breath of the Lord, to speak about the Messiah, this promise, this prophecy, that when the Messiah came to earth, that, that the Ruach would come upon him. That we fast forward to the book of Matthew and we see that fulfillment of that promise as Jesus walks up to John the Baptist. And John baptizes him in the water. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open and the voice of the Father booms like thunder saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And everybody who is there witnesses this dove-like thing descending from the heaven onto Jesus, the Ruach of God. That as we fast forward into the New Testament, the Greek word that's used for ruach is pneuma, as in like pneumatic, like operation by air. Same meaning as the Hebrew air, uh, word. And this air, this spirit of the Almighty, we see in the Gospel of John when Jesus resurrected from the dead appears to the disciples who are huddled in this room. The windows are closed. The doors are locked. And Jesus, in all of his resurrection, just like appears before them, and they freak out. I mean, they like lose it in this moment. And Jesus goes, calm down, boys, like peace, like it's me. And then John writes these words to us. He says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the pneuma of God, the breath of God on your life. That we look at the book of Acts and Jesus is now ascended into heaven and the, the disciples, they're hanging out again in this house. And they're praying and they're waiting. And after two weeks of praying and waiting, on a day that we call Pentecost, suddenly from heaven, a rushing wind comes and fills the entire house. And everyone, Luke writes, everyone in the house was filled with the pneuma of God. And they pour out into the streets proclaiming Jesus as Lord. That Jesus' words, I must go, because it's to your advantage that God's ruach, his pneuma, his parakletos come. That the spirit of God is not like the forgotten God. He's part of the Trinity, giving us life and energy, this supernatural power to live out a life that is worthy of the Savior whom we call King. See, when we open up the scriptures we see that the Spirit of God does not empower people to live some ho-hum, casual Christian life. Nor does the Spirit empower people to live a stodgy life built around rules. Now, when we open the pages of Scripture, we see the Ruach of God hovering over the deep creating. We see the Ruach of God take a shepherd boy and make him a king. We see the Ruach of God fill warriors we see the Ruach of God come upon our Savior. We see the Ruach of God fill prostitutes and fishermen and tax collectors' lives where they become the mouthpiece of life and hope into the world. That we watch the Ruach of God fill a man who is passionately about killing, literally killing the movement of Christ and having him become the greatest spokesman of Christ ever in the Apostle Paul. That when we open the pages of Scripture, we see a spirit that energizes us, breathes life into us, sets us free. That's why Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I must go so that he can come. See, the Bible teaches us that when it comes to the spirit, 
The Spirit is your helper, your advocate, your counselor, your guide. That the, the Spirit is the fulfillment of the greatest promise ever given to us in all of Scripture. That God will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Is there any greater promise in all of Scripture than knowing that God is with you always? And the reason that that is true is not because Jesus is walking somewhere on this earth, but because the Spirit resides in everyone who calls Jesus Savior. The Spirit was sent to us to, to be our helper, to help us figure things out in this life, to help us do things that we could not do. Let me just click through a few of those. One of those things is that the Spirit brings life to us. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 11 this. He says, In the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. God in you. We're told that the Spirit comes to give you wisdom and help you understand the things of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, These things... God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, God in you, that we might understand the things that God has given to us freely. It's in the Spirit that we're given godly virtues. We call those the fruit of the spirits. Galatians chapter 5.22, right? The fruit of the spirits being these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Such things as these, there is no law. It's the Spirit that gives us these supernatural giftings to bring about flourishing in this world to bring about the common good for all people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now there are a variety of gifts but it's the same spirits. There's, there are a variety of service, but one Lord. And there are a variety of activity, activities, but it is all the same God who empowers them for everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit, God in you. For why? For the common good of all people. See, there's a lot of things that we could say when it comes to the spirit, and we could spend hours talking about the realities of the spirit in our lives, and we will over the next couple of weeks. But the reality is, is that this is all for naught. This is all for naught if God's ruach is not in you. And so maybe you're here today and you're a believer. But as you look at your life, you realize that, that the way that your life is lived out and the way that you see people in the scriptures live their lives out with the Spirit is totally different. And there's a longing in you for something more. The easy application today if you're a believer, is that you would simply pray for the Spirit to fill your life over this next week and then come back next week where we'll talk about what that looks like. But for others of you, for others, the reality is that you've probably or maybe been playing Christian for a long time in your life. For some of you, maybe not at all. And as we walk through this today, you heard the whisper of God in your soul, even though I didn't say it. God whispering to your soul, trust me, experience life with me. And for some reason, you can't really explain it, but you're being drawn to God. It's like there's this like spiritual magnet that's, that's pulling you toward God. 
understand this, that there's something taking place in the spiritual world right now in your life. And that spiritual magnet is the Holy Spirit drawing you in because God loves you and he wants to reveal himself to you. But as that takes place in the spiritual world, something else is taking place in the spiritual world as well. That there's an enemy. There's an enemy there who's, 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 who's speaking to you, saying, don't believe any of this. Don't you buy that for a second. This is stupid. You don't need any of that. And yet the Holy Spirit, you know, is drawing you toward Jesus, the sinless Son of God who died on the cross for your sins so that you might have life. And then three days later, resurrected from the grave. And the scripture's great promise to us is anyone, anyone who trusts in the name of Jesus will be saved. And the idea behind this is that, that it's like a new birth, that you've been born physically, but that the spirit offers, offers a new birth, a, a spiritual birth, where spiritually you're born into God's family. All of your sins are forgiven. You're, you're made brand new. There are those of you who know that the Holy Spirit is, is reaching out to you right now. And you have a decision to make. Your decision is, to, is where you could go, yes, Jesus, come save me. Make me a part of your family. Or your decision is, no, Jesus, I reject you. I reject you. My prayer today is that your prayer would be, yes, Jesus, make me new. Help me be born again spiritually. Fill me with your spirit so that I might live. Will you pray with me, Father? Lord, when we start to talk about things of the supernatural, the things of the spiritual world, Lord, it can get kind of weird kind of fast. And yet even in the midst of that, Lord, there's a reality that every single one of us longs for something more in this life. Lord, my hunch is that far too many of us have lived this life, Lord, not understanding the Spirit, pretending like the Spirit doesn't exist, pretending like the Spirit's just hanging out in that corner. And Lord, there's something in us that, that longs for more. And so Lord, I pray for every believer here that you would fill us to whatever extent we already have, that you would fill us more with the Spirit. And Lord, that through this tough season, Lord, that we would walk with you and that we would know you because your spirit is in us, God in us. And Father, I pray, God, for those who maybe do not yet know you. And Lord, you're whispering to their souls even now. God, I pray that they would make a decision in their heart right now, Lord, to trust you to follow you, that as the Spirit draws them in, that, that they wouldn't push him away. But Lord, that they would know that that magnet-like feeling is your love. And that magnet-like feeling, Lord, is the breath of life wanting to enter in to your bones. And so God, I pray, Lord, for the people you're whispering to, that they would say yes.
that they would say, yes, Jesus, come, save me. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.